You're listening to the Ministry Grow Show, brought to you by Reliant Creative, the creative agency for gospel-centered ministries. Find out more at ReliantCreative.org. Welcome to the Ministry Grow Show, a podcast dedicated to helping churches and ministries grow and make more effective impacts for the kingdom of God in an ever-changing digital world. Whether you're building and growing a gospel-centered ministry or leading a church, if you want insight into the strategies, struggles, challenges, and successes of other ministry leaders, you've come to the right place. Welcome back to the Ministry Growth Show. Today on the show, I'm excited to have Chris Harper, Executive Director of Better Man. Chris, thanks for being on the show. Man, I'm so excited. Zachary, thanks for having me. It's a, it's a pleasure and an honor to be here. Yeah, I'm excited to have you guys on the show. Um, I've been through the men's fraternity years ago now, but um, and then as we started our call today, just getting to know one another, we've already had some cool conversation and some good laughs. So I'm excited to have you on the show. Thanks for being here, man. Absolutely, man. Looking forward to it. Yeah. Can you tell me a little bit about Better Man, the ministry, and, and maybe how you guys got started and what you've been up to lately that, that uh, you're particularly excited about? Yeah, absolutely. So I tell people in the 1970s, it was, I don't need a man. In the 1990s, it was, I don't want a man. And in 2022, it's, what is a man? Mm. <laughs> there's no, there's no real, there's no real definition out there, at least no universal definition that people have adopted for biblical masculinity and manhood. And what Better Man offers is just a timeless, biblical, true definition of what a man is. Uh, as you alluded to earlier, it's a, it's an iteration of men's fraternity. So this is an iteration of men's fraternity, but it's really aimed at, you know, millennials, uh, Gen Z. Um, it's reaching this, this new generation of, of, of men. And we do mm-hmm. that. We do that through a, through a simple definition, what I call the compass. It's the four W's. It's what a real man is and what a real man does. So a real man courageously follows God's word. A real man loves and protects God's woman. A real man excels at his work, and a real man betters God's world. And that's our four W's. And and man, we create content, we curate community, um, all around those four W's. And it's uh, it's really been exciting. It's 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 taken off the last two years. You know, we incorporated um, right at four years ago. Of course, COVID and some other things uh, came upon us, but the last two years, we've just seen exponential growth and the Lord's mm. just doing a tremendous work with it. Awesome. And how long have you been executive director of the ministry? Man, that's a great question. So uh, I've been in the manhood space for about five years, but I've been executive director at Better Man for five months. Oh my so, goodness. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah, man. There was this, there was this giant of a figure named Dr. Robert Lewis, who's been a hero of mine for for a long time, a hero of many men. And, and, uh, yeah. back, back in the summer of, of, of this year, uh, Robert and the team reached out to me and, um, we had some conversations and it, it was just a blessing. It was an honor to be able to, uh, succeed him and, 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 and be a part of, uh, the ministry he helped birth and grow. Hmm. Now you mentioned that you've been in the business of manhood for five years. What did you mean by that? Yeah, so um, I'm an academician, so all of my academic pursuits have been around Christian formation, discipleship, 
Yeah, specifically um, the role of of husband, the role of father. You know, I'm a I'm a pseudo Puritan scholar, right? So uh, <laughs> I, I believe the the father is the chief priest of his home. Um, mm. um, uh, like like Luther said, the home is a mini kingdom, and and dad is king of that of that mini kingdom. So so what does that look like in culture today? How's that impacting the church today? Uh, the lack of such impacting the church today. So um, I've had a lot of academic endeavors and pursuits in the midst of that. And then also um, I've worked with young men um, uh, and men for the last four or five years. I've served as a a president of a college prep school. Um, I've served in various ministry capacities. So, so the Lord really just broke my heart and, and, and it started when he gave me three boys. So I have three boys under the age of nine. And um, uh, you're in it. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, bro. Neck deep in it. Uh, you'll catch a, you'll catch a, you'll catch a fist and a Lego at my house in a heartbeat, buddy. Oh my goodness. So, <laughs> but, um, so, so, you know, after having my boys and, and, and I do have a daughter as well, but after having my boys, I thought, man, do I even know what a man is? Mm. And, and, and where do we find those answers? You know, if I, if I, if I invited a hundred pastors into a meeting and said, Hey, tell me what, tell me what being a man looks like, you know, Half of them wouldn't want to answer, and the other half would give me 50 different answers, right? Mm -hmm. So what we do is we offer that timeless definition, that compass, looking to King Jesus, the ultimate man. Mm. Now, you mentioned that the, the man, in your view, and I agree with you on this, but the man is the king of the home. That terminology, man, as you say that, seems to fly in the face of the narrative being pushed out in our culture and uh, the global culture, really. And so you mentioned even before that, that you guys are working with millennials and Gen Z. And so how much of uh, like coming to a head is that kind of terminology with the current culture in which we're living through? And, And do you find that it's that men, especially younger men, find this kind of communication and terminology and biblical idea of what a man looks like to be um, difficult, or do they find it to be refreshing? Yeah, such a good question, brother. So I was at a conference in Nashville a couple of weeks ago, and someone politely, if you can do this politely, but he politely <laughs> called me, he, he, he politely called me a benevolent dictator. <laughs> oh my goodness. <laughs> and, uh, and, and, and what I wanted to say was, man, I'm not even benevolent. right? <laughs> no, but, but so, so here's, here's what's happened. The culture and society has, has spent so much time railing against the abuse of power and rightly mm-hmm. so. Right. But, but in doing so, we've forgotten the value of power. We've mm. forgotten the value of authority. We have forgotten that that our world is not chaotic, that our world is a world of order, mm-hmm. um, and that our God is a God of order. And when you get outside of his order, that's when you experience chaos, mm. right? So uh, that's when trouble arises. So so we very much believe it at Better Man, you know, we are complementarians. Um, men and women are equal in all things, man, grace and love and dignity and honor and respect. Uh, the di- so sorry about that. I don't, I don't know if you heard no that. I had a phone call come in. So, no, you're good. 
yeah, so so men and women are are equal in all things, man. Dignity and and grace and honor and respect and and all those things. They're just they're different. They have different roles. Um, um, so so we believe that that the man, the dad, the husband. I mean, he has a role of uh, you know what old school theologians called federal authority, right? Mm. Um, federal headship. These are terms churches don't use anymore today because. Well, they're just afraid of them, right? They're, they're afraid yeah. of what type of images that will conjure up. But the reality is men have been giving a mantle. Men have been given a mantle of leadership. And, and because of the abuse of power, because of um, this kind of hyper culture that's sensitive to it, you know, you know we, don't, we don't step into that anymore as men. We don't, we don't embrace that, that call to lead. And, and, and I love what Dallas Willard said. Um, when, when talking about leading people and when talking about serving others and, and loving your wife, Dallas Willard said the best definition of love I've ever heard. He said, love is having someone's best interest at heart. Hmm. It's having someone else's best interest at heart. So, so when I talk about a husband leading his wife or a husband leading his children or a husband leading in church or a man leading in church, man, I'm not talking about dominating. I'm not talking about power grabbing. I'm talking about service. I'm talking mm. about laying down your life, sacrificial love, so that the children and the women and the people under your care um, uh, feel safe and feel yeah. loved and are <clears throat> flourishing, man. That's what I'm talking about. Yeah. Well, I mean, that that picture of how a man is supposed to love his wife, specifically his wife, and in that he's supposed to love his wife, like Christ loved the church and that he laid his life down for her. Come on. If, if this idea that the Bible teaches that we're supposed to have this power grabbing authority and oppressive, like oversight over our families flies in the face of that, what scripture truly tells us. Right. And so, Um, it's, I th- think a lot of it has just been twisted as many other things are. The words have been twisted. The, the idea of what it should lo- actually look like, it's twisted. And so, man, as a man, that call to love my wife, like Christ loved the church, that's a heavy, heavy invitation. Right. And so, yeah. um, that's cool that you guys are, are being truthful in what this actually looks like and being bold and intentional and and uh, in pushing that and and communicating that to men, so that that maybe leads me into the uh, that's a good segue into the next question. What are some of the challenges and struggles you guys run into as a ministry? Does it does it relate to some of those cultural narratives that you're that are pushing back against what biblical manhood looks like? Absolutely. So one of the biggest challenges is um, there hasn't been a clear definition of what masculinity and manhood looks like for the last for the last 20, 30, 40 years. Mm. So so the majority of men that we work with, the majority of men that we're partnering with, that we're trying to lead, they walk around in what we call a masculine fog. Mm. Right. So so it's just kind of stumbling and, and bouncing from one idea to the next bouncing from one methodology to the next. Maybe they're, maybe they're bouncing off in the, of an image of what they think a man should look like or what they think a man should be. So, so for the last 30, 40, maybe even 50 years, men have just been roaming around in this masculine fog and, and, and better man's like a lighthouse. Like, like we're shining this big light on, on, on Jesus, the true man. 
And right. we're just, we're, we're calling as many people, man, this way, this way. The problem is the fog is thick, brother. Mm. I mean, it's, it's, it, it, it's thick and there's so many men that are, that are lost. So, so a, I, I would say our biggest, our biggest obstacle is there hasn't been a clear definition. You know, years ago I was a, I was a church planner with Dave and John Ferguson out of the new thing network, the exponential guys. And, okay. um, I'm I'll never forget what Dave told me. Dave said, Chris, the first thing you have to give people is a language. If you want mm. them to, to understand, if you want them to follow, you've got to give them a language. So one of the things Better Man does so well is, is we provide men with a language, um, a vocabulary for some of the stuff they've been experiencing so they can begin to understand what it is. You know, mm. um, and we're, 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 uh, we're proud of that. The second thing, the, the second big obstacle is just culture itself. Um, as, as we've already mentioned, man, there's been, you know, everything from television that, that essentially makes fun of fatherhood. Like you're either an mm. idiot or you're an ATM. Like that's how TV portrays a dad, right? right? <laughs> <laughs> all the way, all the way to the, uh, feminization of the church today. Um, mm. uh, the, the American Western church is hyper feminized. Um, and, mm. and, and again, we cater to our base and, and women have been outpacing men in every spiritual category for the last 30 years. So, mm. so it's no wonder that churches have began to cater and, and use language and use aesthetics and use songs that favor women. I, mm. I, I, I preach at a lot of churches across the country and, and, and there's, there's, there's two things I see in common of every church I go to. The men are bored and the women are exhausted. Hmm. And, and, and it shouldn't be like that, right? It shouldn't be like that. And there's a better manhood. There's a better masculinity out there that, that, that fixes that. Mm. That's good. Interesting. Um, <clears throat> I mentioned earlier that I went through men's frat years ago. I mean, this is probably, uh, gosh, this might've been eight or nine years ago now, maybe only seven. I don't know. Uh, but, the, those those videos that were that were run and led that series by Robert Lewis um, and it was really great I really enjoyed it a lot how have things changed as from that that me, people might be familiar with to what you guys are doing now is it just a rebrand and it's pretty much the same content or is as has structure and strategy changed a little bit yeah so it has been an an overhaul. Right. The, the mission is still there, um, activating men, equipping men, um, really trying to redefine the spirit of the age when it comes to manhood and masculinity. Um, so so the mission and the vision is still there, but execution completely changed. Right. So men's fraternity was, you know, 24 weeks long. I mean, mm -hmm. <laughs> try, try, try to get a man to do anything for 24 weeks. Today. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Not happening. Right. I oh, think goodness. The, uh, yeah, yeah. I think the DVDs, you know, the teachings were an hour, an hour and a half. So, so what we've done is, um, we've adopted, um, not, not, um, let me not use the word adopted. We've adapted to the culture. Okay. So, um, 90% of all media today consumed is less than a minute long. Right. Right. So the average sermon is, is 24 minutes long. So, so men aren't going to sit in front of an hour lecture and then, and then go and do right. As a matter of fact, most, most educational settings, classroom settings, Sunday school settings, 
um, church gatherings are geared towards women. Women best learn kind of in that lecture teacher model, whereas men learn short burst, up moving around, working with their hands, things of that nature. We can get into the science of that on another podcast. But um, fascinating. Yeah. But um, so so for for us today, you know, we have we have shorter videos and our emphasize we emphasize kind of that Socratic method, like that group time, group share, group talk, group experience, because men are men are craving that fellowship. Men want to know that there are other men that are wrestling and struggling with the same things they are. And then and then best practices amongst them. So so better man today, it's um, it's an 11 week program with 10 weeks of content. The 11th week is kind of a commissioning celebration week. So it's it, it went from 24 weeks to 10 weeks. And truth be told, in the future, we'll probably be shortening shortening that to eight weeks. Um, oh, wow. And then and then it's going to be it's going to be equal. Um, we're going to have discussion time, lecture time, but we want as much group time questions built into that as possible, too. Mm. Do you find that uh, an older generation of guys handle the longer group settings and the longer content better than the younger guys, the younger generation, my generation, millennial and younger. Yeah, absolutely, man. So, so let, let me say this, like there is no one that loves an hour long sermon more than me, Mm. man. I I'm, I'm a, again, I'm an academician. I'm a theologian. Like I love an hour long biblically rich sermon. Right. But, Mm -hmm. but, but I didn't start on hour long sermons. Right. You know, um, um, men's fraternity was a, was a T-bone steak. And, okay. and, you know, um, if you sit down in front of a T-bone steak and you don't have the appetite for it, you'll never finish it. Right. Right. So, so, so you've got to build up to that. And, and today's generation, millennials and younger, man, they didn't grow up on hour long sermons. You know, they mm. grew up on, they grew up on 23 minute sitcoms. They grew up on five second vines. They mm-hmm. grew up on, you know, Instagram reels, um, right, TikTok. wrong, or indifferent. TikTok. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, right, wrong, or indifferent. Where I'm, I'm, I'm not saying it's great. It's not, as a matter of fact. Right. But, but, but you've got to meet men where they are. Mm. So, uh, so we're not. It's not a 15 minute video, but it's not going to be an hour, an hour long minute video either. You know, we mm. we want the videos to correspond with uh, with group time, and then also. Um, in the future, in the very near future, we have new content coming out where the videos are even shorter, and um, uh, the the uh, instead of being ten weeks, it's going to be five weeks. So we're taking mm. those four W's: how to love your woman, how to excel at your work, how to better God's world, how to courageously follow God's word, and and they're five week segments. We do five week sessions. Mm. Um, uh, so we're super excited about that. The first one drops this Christmas, actually. Oh, cool. So you, you mentioned meeting guys where they're at. That's something that we're constantly trying to coach and train and equip our ministry clients on and, and talk to them about and the importance of being in the places where our atten- where your auto- audience's attention is, right? Like the reality is our attention is on this thing right here, right? This mobile that's device right. and the social platforms, generally speaking, um, that we spend our time on. And we have to go to those places. Like it's not enough to just have a website presence anymore. 
That's so right. we, we need to be creating content in the places where attention already is, the Netflixes of the world, the YouTubes, on and on and I could, on I could go. And so we'll talk about this a little bit later in more detail around the storytelling stuff and the marketing, but um, are, are you guys – are you guys taking some of that content from your coursework or your group content and chopping it up into little bite-sized pieces that can then be shared in the places where attention is in the shorts that we're all now consuming on YouTube and Instagram in the, in the TikTok type atmospheres that get people engaged and excited about, man, that's a cool quote that I just heard from whoever's teaching today at, at, at Better Man or, or whatever it looks like. Are you chopping that stuff up and placing it and putting it out in the places where our, our attention is? Absolutely, man. So we call them appetizers, right? We just want to, we want to start building, building that appetite. So, so we're putting appetizers out there everywhere via, via Instagram, via podcast, um, any, any outlet we get, we do a lot of writing. Um, uh, we do stuff with discipleship.org, um, things of that nature. But we want to give people a taste of, of, you know, what better man is, what true manhood is that hopefully lures them in and for more. But but maybe maybe more than just the content is is we really focus on why men need this. You know, again, mm. men and women are different. Right. Beth Moore writes a book and five million women read it. Right. They don't even know why they're reading it. They're just going to read it. Right. <laughs> um, uh, 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 a woman doesn't necessarily need a reason to gather with other women, which is why, mm-hmm. you know, Bible study fellowship and all these groups, they're so women intensive, right? Men are the opposite. Like a man needs to know why I am doing this. Otherwise he's not coming. Right. Right. And, and so often we treat ministries and we treat gatherings the same, right? We just think if we, if we have a barbecue or if we have a car show, or if we bring in a creative speaker, man, men are just going to show up. It's not the case. It's just like when a man writes a book for another man. Um, he doesn't sell 5 million copies, right? And and good on mm-hmm. Beth Moore, man. I, I hope she sells 100 million copies. Um, right. It's just it's just different. Men men are wired different. So so we really focus on the why, like why men need this. And, and we've seen success with that. Uh, so it's been good. Mm, that's cool. Now, are you guys using any particular disciple making models like i've learned a little bit about disciple making models over the last couple of years just through primarily this podcast um I, I don't remember much of it in the men's fraternity but as you guys have made that shift has that kind of especially with you coming from your church planting background has that kind of intermingled and and started showing itself in in the strategies that you're using and what you're doing now Absolutely. So we're moving. We're we're heavily moving that way. Um, okay. Uh, right now, better man though. Still, we call it the on ramp to men's ministry. Like it mm. truly is an introduction. It truly is. Hey, you didn't have this vocabulary before. You didn't even have a compass. Here's a language. Here's a compass. You are ready to dive into manhood now. And that that deep dive is the discipleship part. And that's where. That's where Better Man is going to be focusing energy and attention over the next three to five years. We're super excited about that. Oh, that's cool. Now, are you partnering with other ministries that already currently follow some of those disciple-making models? Yeah, so we are. You know, we have radical mentoring. Um, you know, Dr. Brian Hurlbut, uh, who wrote Cohort, he's probably the leader on gender-based discipleship. You know, he's a good friend of mine. Um, 
John Tyson and those guys at Primal Path and what they're doing around uh, men and specifically men's gathering. You know, we're talking with everybody. We're looking at everybody. Um, eventually, you know, we will have our own thing. We will curate community specifically for the Better Man tribe and, and okay. people who are coming through our tribe. So, um, so, so yes, we, we are partnering, but, but nothing on like an intentional strategic level right now. Gotcha. Just starting to have conversations, build relationships and kind of network in that space as you think about what that future is going to look like. Absolutely. Hey, and, and listen, if anybody listening to the show um, knows the secret on how to disciple men, give us a call <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> because, because the church and everybody else has been trying to figure that out for the last thousand years. <laughs> oh goodness. <laughs> uh, if I run into anybody, I'll let you guys know. <laughs> Thanks. Um, how do you, you guys have met, you've mentioned, and I kind of want to go back to this because it's sparked my interest, but you've mentioned, uh, biblical manhood and the compass and, and the terminology. How, how do you define biblical manhood? Is, is, is it all rooted in that compass and terminology that you're talking about a little bit earlier? Yeah. So, um, you can't. We start by saying this, you can't become what you can't define. Okay. Mm-hmm. So I would tell, I would tell every man, every woman, everybody listening to this show right now, you can't become what you can't define. You can't be a loving wife. If you don't know how to define what a loving wife is, you can't be a good dad. If you don't know what a good dad is. Right. So, so we start with that. You can't become what you can't define. So we've got to offer a definition. Well, where do you go to get a concrete forever definition of manhood, something that won't change, something that there's no variation. Well, you go to King Jesus, you go to the, to the perfect man. And specifically you go, you go to creation, you go back to Genesis, um, uh, when man was made in the image of God. Mm -hmm. And that's, that's really where our definition comes from. We see, uh, in the creation narrative and all things were created (laughs) in through and for King Jesus in that narrative, we see, we see the four things, right? We see we see man courageously following God, you know, mm. um, submitting to his will, obeying his word, uh, pre-fall, obviously. Um, we, see, we see man loving and serving and protecting uh, his woman, uh, the gift from God that, that God gave to man. Um, we, see, we see man excelling at his work, like in the garden, the naming of the animals, the cultivation Right. I mean, Adam was set in the garden, not just to tend the garden, but to build empires. Mm-hmm. Right. And then and then we see through that cultivation, through the be fruitful and multiply, we see the bettering of God's world, which which largely happens through the structure of the family, the proliferation of children, things of that nature as we as we strive to build in and, and cultivate and, and better God's world. So so that's that's 100 percent where the definition comes from. Mm. That's cool. And, and, and as you guys, as you guys continue to grow, you see, you said you've had some really explosive growth, especially recently. What are some of the things that you guys are excited about in the marketing space right now? Communicating to an audience, building a network of people that get behind Better Man as a brand. Yeah. So right now we're we're really looking at and strategically planning. You know, how do we how do we curate community and cultivate champions? You know, there, there are so many ministry models out there, right? Like man in the mirror mm-hmm. and youth for Christ and things of that nature, where they where they employ hundreds of people 
uh, they put them on the ground, kind of boots on the ground and, and geographically or demographically, like that's the representative for that area. We, we want to invert that. You know, we don't want to employ anybody. We want mm. champions. We want, we want people who believe in manhood so much, who, who catch the definition, who catch the vision and, and want to run so hard with it that they literally become the champion. They become, mm. um, they become the better man that's then making better men who make better men. Right. So, so all of our content is free. We don't, we don't charge for anything. Mm. Um, as, as a matter of fact, you can white label it, like take your ministry, take your church, take your last name and, and, and white label it with better man. Right. Um, um, obviously use the definition, obviously follow the program, but like we want men to own it and we want them to pass it on. And, and we think through that model, like, like through that strategy, it's not just going to affect this generation. It's going to affect generations to come. I'll, I'll never forget sitting in, in the boardroom with the board of better man. And they said, Chris, what are you most excited about? And I said, man, I'm, I'm excited about giving the world a definition of, of what a man is and what a man does that my three-year-old son could follow 20 years from now. Mm. Right. Like, like I want this to be multi, multi-generational and, and it is because it's the word of God, brother, there are only two things that are eternal, right? The word of God and what you put on the internet. Never forget mm -hmm. that. Right? <laughs> <laughs> so, so man, um, we think, we think we have a movement that can, that, that has and, and will literally last forever. That's awesome. Yeah. yeah this is idea, man, you're speaking my language, this idea of building, not just people who can use your content or go build a group of guys that follow a, a structure or strategy, but people who advocate for what you're talking about and begin, whether it's, it's your brand or otherwise, like advocate for this biblical manhood and, and talk about it in their networks and their communities and, and push for it in their, in their daily lives. I just redid we we've got some coursework on our site, uh, marketing coursework, and um, we just redid our purpose driven strategy and our story driven messaging courses. Mm. And man, I talk about in this is new for us. Like I, I've I've been just as guilty about this as anybody else in the space, but we've treated our calls to action primarily in the ministry space. Donate as the end of the story forever. Like we, everybody's still doing this. I'm still doing this. We've treated the call to action like the end of the story. I don't know if you know about story structures, but the call to action is the beginning of the story. This idea that if we can just get people to donate, just get people to give, just get people to financially invest, just get people to take our coursework or go through our curriculum, like, man, that's it. We've, we've made it. We've arrived. We've done we've done the deed or the, we've got the deal, man, that's the beginning of the story. Like that's where, where the story starts, inviting people in and calling them to the adventure, calling them to action is where things start. And we have missed so much opportunity in the ministry space, especially to, to build brand advocates around our ministries that not only are investing in our, in what we're doing, not only are, using our curriculum and our coursework, but are actually going out and pushing this stuff on our own, especially the, like these disciple making ministries, man, there's, there's so much opportunity, more opportunity than just giving to our causes or our ministries. And 
we keep putting that call to action at the end, right? Like that's, that's we're treating at the end of the story. It's like, man, there's, we're missing so much. We're missing so much to invite people in to the redemption story of humanity that goes far beyond. Yes. Our generosity is a good thing. Absolutely. Mm. But man, mm. that invitation goes so much further uh, to be a part of his redemptive story than just stopping it. This donate call to action. And so as you said that, that kind of like sparked outside of that coursework. I haven't shared much of that because it's a new idea. Like I was working through our structures and our strategies and the stuff that we teach. It's like, man, I think we're missing something. Like we're stopping way too soon. We, yeah. this call to action is the beginning of the journey for people who want to be a part of our ministries. And so we can't stop there. We have to start there. Yeah. So, yeah. That's mm. the man. That, that's so good. Good, good on you for saying that. I mean, what a, I mean, what a what an eye opening thing and, and what a truthful and powerful message. And what's interesting is the secular world has picked up on this. So, oh, yeah, Metro Metro United Way, American Red Cross. They will tell you that 90 percent of their reoccurring donations come from volunteers, mm. come from people who have inserted themselves into the story. And, and yeah. because they play a role in the story, it actually increases their generosity. Yeah. Where where so much of the ministry is, hey, like you said, your your role here is to write a check and then our role is to do the work. And right. that man, that's just it's it's just it's a terrible model. It's a terrible Dude. model. <laughs> yeah, and I'm, I'm just as guilty of it as, as anyone else. Like we've this is just how you've always done it. And and we follow for for a long time we followed story brands frameworks and um as I looked into StoryBrand follows the hero's journey, which is the story structure that is used by Star Wars. Every single movie that's ever been popular in all of human history follows this story structure. I argue in a lot of our courses that this is the story structure that we see throughout scripture. Uh, Jesus's own ministry plays out following this structure. Like it's wired into us by our creator. And we've missed it. We've missed the mark. The call to adventure Obi-Wan Kenobi calls Luke Skywalker through adventure at the beginning of the story, not at the end. That's right. And, That's and right. so, man, we've missed, we've missed out on so much of that story when we, uh, yeah. when we put it at the end and make it our, our end all. And so I yeah, can I love that all day. <laughs> oh man, man. That's George, Jordan Peterson. The, uh, the yep. philosopher, um, sociologist, Jordan Peterson jumps into this when he talks about when he talks about inside every man, he says inside every man is a, is a monster. Mm-hmm. And instead of trying to kill that monster, we need to let it out and learn to tame it. Mm. And, and, and he said, we need to do that because, because here's the deal. And he said, life is a fairy tale, right? So in every fairy tale, there's a dragon mm-hmm. and behind the dragon is one of two things. It's either gold or a girl behind mm. the dragon. And he said, he said, the reason why men today don't have the gold and don't have the girl is because there's not enough men willing to fight the dragon. Mm. Right. We've, we've just, we've just conceded our masculinity. We've conceded our menhood. So, so no wonder, no wonder women are waiting till, till 30, 32, 34 years old to get married. Right. There's not, um, I don't blame them. There's not enough men to pick from. Right. There's there's no, there's no, uh, there's no options out there. That's right. That's right. I mean, and, and it's exactly what you're talking about, man. We're no longer, 
society has told us for the last 40 years uh, that men are a problem. Mm. And, uh, and, and we've begun to believe the lie, you know, mm. that, that, that we're a problem. So, so what we do, what Better Man does, what, what my life mission is, is I come along and aside men and say, you know what? You are a problem, but you're a good problem, mm. right? You're a good problem. So let's start there and build. Yeah. And the idea of the dragon, I, we just put out a course called Why Story. And at the end of it, I've got a whole slide that's like this knight facing a dragon scene. And I talk about, I ask a question because I've been thinking about this a lot lately. I think probably after one of the Jordan Peterson things that I saw where he talks about the dragon and slaying the dragon and behind the dragon is the gold and the princess or the princess. And like this question kept popping up in my mind, like, okay, we all face dragons, right? Throughout our lives. This is a reoccurring theme of our lives. We come up against problems and we've got to either face those problems or run from them when we face them and overcome them or face them and fail and try again. Like there's a lot of learning that that takes place as we go through that process. And, and so, but this idea of facing the dragon I asked the question, does Christ let us face the dragons on our own? And, and I, I, I don't know that I know the answer to this yet, um, quite. I've, I've grappled with it a little bit. But does Christ let us face the dragons on our own? And I think, I think a lot of times he does. But at the same time, because he knows that we learn so much about ourselves when we do that. But at the same right. time, he's, I think he's looking for us to invite him into that battle as well. Like he's never going to, here's what I do know. Um, man, you look throughout human history and suffering as a part of, especially the Christian walk. And, and the, the question of why doesn't he get rid of that? Why doesn't he pull us out of these situations uh, like, because I, there's so much that we can learn about trusting him in those situations. Like, um, I think the, the, the Catholic church does a better job of talking about suffering, maybe more so than the Protestant church does. Yeah, but yeah. Th- this idea that we, we learn things about ourselves, we learn how to trust God in the suffering. We learn how to trust God in those difficult situations that we all come across and all run into throughout life. And so this idea, like, does Christ step in and save us from our suffering? Does he save us from the dragon? Does he pull us out of that fight? I don't, the answer is, in almost all cases, no, I think, because he wants us to learn to trust him. But man, he also wants us to invite him into that battle with him, right? Absolutely. I, th- I think that also is a part of what's going on. And so... That idea of facing the dragon and, and dealing with your struggles and your suffering and and that the, the invitation to, Lord, I, I want to walk through this with you. I'm inviting you into this. I know that this is going to be for my betterment on the back end. Help me fight this dragon. Like, man, that, that idea is, is, I think, a lot through Jordan Peterson, been, been on my mind a lot lately. And so, I mean, it showed up in my courses and... It's just an interesting question to ask. Yeah, it's so good, man. And of course, I'm biased, as I told you at the beginning. But um, I think the Puritans, 
got suffering better than anyone else, right? Mm. Because it was it it was it was the Puritans who said, "I love it when God throws me into the cellar of affliction, because it's there that He keeps His best wine." Mm. Right? That's so good, man. It was it was guys like Spurgeon who said, "I love it." Um, he said, "I kiss the waves that throw me against the rock of ages." Right? So it's mm. almost like it's almost like suffering, pain, trial, death. Um, you just open the door and say, do your worst in me because your worst is going to produce Christ in me. That's why that's why the Apostle Paul had to be the most annoying enemy ever. <laughs> right. So 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 think about Paul. They're like um, they're like, we're going to kill you. And Paul's response is, man, that's cool to die as gain. And then they're like, well, fine, we'll let you live. He's like, cool to live as Christ. Like they had to hate Paul. Right? <laughs> like, like it's, just it's, whatever. <laughs> it's like that scene. It's like that scene in 007, the. The first Daniel Craig uh, Casino Royale movie where he's sitting on the chair and the dude's whipping him with the knot at the end of the rope. And he's like, do it again. <laughs> it's like, ah, <laughs> you're the worst enemy. <laughs> yeah, man, it's, it, it's so true. But, but but what you said is spot on. And and, and, and I want to interject to something. I, I loved what you said about we face the dragon and, you know, we either we either defeat it or, or we, we try and defeat it and we fail and we get back up or we flee. Um, I, I would, I would add there's a third option and it's what a lot of men choose today. So they don't fight, they don't flee. They actually become a part of the problem, right? Mm. Which is, which is even worse, right? Than, than, than not fighting or fighting and failing. Like they just kind of, I call it, um, there, there's a new term that come out of COVID called, called slow quitting. People are slow quitting their job and slow quitting at work. I, um, I call it oh, slow quitting manhood. Yeah. Slow quitting mm-hmm. manhood, slow quitting masculinity. Right. So, so I haven't fully resigned. I'm just doing enough not to be noticed. Okay. Right? And I, and, and, and I, I become a part of the problem at that point. And, and I think that's mm-hmm. where a lot of men are today, man. They're, they're, they're not running, but they're not fighting. They're just becoming a part of the problem. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and, and like to be, I don't know, maybe I'm, uh, empathetic in this but to be not to take their side but maybe to to have compassion to what they're going through like if they do stand up they know what is going to happen they know they're going to be canceled they know that they're going to be shut down they know that they're going to be fired like there's there's not a lot like to stand up and say my man this is a perfect example my my uh maybe he'd he'd get in trouble if i I don't want to, I don't want to throw him under the bus. I have a friend. (laughs) I have a friend that is in a branch of the military that said, no, I'm not getting the vaccination. Like he just didn't believe in it. Didn't believe it was okay. Whether he thought it was going to help him or not, like just didn't believe at principle that it was okay for the military to shove this thing down his throat and force him to get it. So he said no. And in that process, he knew that he would probably lose his job and he knew he'd probably get dishonorably discharged, but he said, I'm going to do it anyway because I want to stand for my values and my principles. I want to stand up and push back against this knowing that he would lose. Like there was no winning in that situation. It doesn't matter how strong he was, how outspoken he was, how uh, truthful he was in his words. It was just a losing situation to stand up and he did it anyways. And man, I have so much respect for him in doing that, even though 
the result was this incredibly negative result. Now it's probably going to get ironed out because of all the stuff that's getting pushed through and our constitution seems to be holding up. But that was, that was one of those situations like, okay, you can see why guys are slow. What'd you say? Slow quitting. Slow quitting. You can see why guys are slow quitting because if they stand up, if they speak truth, if they stand up for what they believe in, there is significant consequence and the consequences are getting more and more and more significant, the worse and worse things get. And that doesn't mean that we don't stand up, right? Like Christ stood up for us to the cross, right? That is the model that we have to follow. And so there is no excuse if we're disciples and followers of Christ, but it's still hard at the end of the day, man. Like that is, that's, it's hard to stand up and fight. Yeah. Yeah. I'm reminded of, um, there's a book called five English martyrs written by JC Ryle. Mm. And there were, there were two English bishops that, that wouldn't essentially, they wouldn't cower to, to queen bloody Mary, um, Mm. Bishop, Bishop Latimer and Bishop Ridley. So, so they took Latimer and they took Ridley and, and they tied them back to back to a stake and they, and they lit the stake on fire. And um, um, Ridley kind of starts to cry out and, and I'll never forget, uh, you know, what Latimer said. He said, he said, Master Ridley, play the man for tonight. Oh. They shall light a fire in England that shall never go out. Man. Right. So, so, so for any man out there listening who, who is standing on principle, who is standing on conviction, who's standing on what's right and, and, you know, consequences are coming your way. Man, I just want to take a moment and say to you, man, play the man, mm. play the man, because because if you if you're in God's will, if you're doing what God has called you to do, and if you're if you're receiving the mantle and 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 playing the part God has called you to play, um, He will take care of you. I believe that. Mm. I heard this story recently about a missionary. I can't remember where it was. It was um, I'm going through uh, some of David Watson's coursework that he put out through global catalytic ministries, um, on disciple making. And we're going, I'm going through it with my wife. And, and so he, he tells a story in this, um, coursework about a missionary who, um, the community that he was trying to reach the tribe that he was trying to reach turned on him and, and picked him up and they're carrying him to the edge of a cliff to throw him off the cliff. And his mom is watching this entire thing. And she looks at him as he's being carried off the edge of a cliff. And instead of screaming for her son and pleading with them, pleading with them to put him down and stop this, she screams at him to stay strong and don't give up his faith. And don't, uh, she, she encourages him essentially to become a martyr. Like she's mm. screaming for this, knowing that what's going to happen to her son. And it, I think it ended up happening. And man, you think about like what it would mean to stand up for, let's just talk about career, like what it means to stand up for my values and my principles at at potentially losing my job. Let's just make it simple like that. Um, Well, now it's going to be much more difficult for me to provide for my family, but and, and that, that question, like, okay, do I, do I submit to this nonsense 
lose my and keep my job so I can provide for my family? Or are they going to um, respect me so much more if I stand up for what I believe in and lose my job? In this case, like lost his life and his mom is encouraging him to do to stay strong. Like, man, the weight of that story was so heavy. Thought about yeah. that for a long time. Yeah. Yeah. It's powerful. And I think, man, I think it needs to be said too. Um, you know, what I love about Jesus. So when he's described in, in the book of revelation, right. One minute there, um, who can open the, who can open the scrolls, right? Oh, um, the lion, the lion of Judah can open the scrolls. And then the next sentence, right. He's like a lamb being led to the slaughter. So, so Jesus was both the lion and the lamb. And, right. and, and, and what I tell churches a lot is, is man, Jesus never divorced his conviction from his compassion. Mm. Right. And, and I, I think so often today, especially in, in evangelical circles, right. You either want to be like hyper convicted to where like you show no compassion or maybe right. more so it's the other way. Like you're so compassionate, like social gospel and those things that, that nobody even really knows what you believe. Because you have right. no convictions, right? So I, I think one of the things we can do, um, not only as men but as the church, is is we have to model conviction and compassion. And and I'll give you a great story of this. A colleague of mine, he's a he's an airline pilot, and uh, super conservative, um, a man of strong convictions, strong believer. Um, he's getting ready to board a plane, and he's with the rest of the crew. And, and one of the crew members, uh, a stewardess, um, is, a, is a man transitioning into a woman, right? Mm. And, and, and the steward is, is sharing this and, and sharing pictures and, and, and sharing about his transition. And, and finally, my buddy had had enough. And, and so he looked at the steward and he said, hey, um, let me see that camera. You know, let me see your phone. So, so my buddy looks at the picture and, and he just looks at the man and he goes, I would never do that. And the man said, do what? And my buddy said, wear those shoes with that dress. <laughs> <laughs> he said, he said, the next time you wear that dress, you better wear blue shoes. And, and what happened from that statement? He said that entire flight, he said, I was able to have an hour and 30 minute long gospel conversation with that man who, who, who thought or, or wanted to be a woman. And, and, mm. and he said, he said, I never changed my convictions, right? transgenderism is wrong. It's not a part of God's design. I mean, he is, he is adamant about that as am I. Um, he said, but because I showed a little compassion, mm. he said, man, I had an, uh, he said, I had a 90 minute conversation with that man about God's order and God's design and God's creation. So, so man, I think there's a great lesson in what we're talking about, man, we can be people of conviction. You will not find a person more convicted than I am on, on, on many things. But I have to be careful not to divorce my conviction from my compassion because we live yeah. in a broken, broken, disturbed world. Yeah, mm, that's good. Now, get back, get, to get back on to Better Man, because <laughs> 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 that's what we're here for, right? That's right. How, how, how important is storytelling at Better Man? Are you guys using storytelling in your marketing and your development models, your strategies, whatever have you? Absolutely. So um, it's it's the basis of what we do. Um, as a matter of fact, we're telling a better story. 
um, the mm. ultimate story, the one that God wrote, the one that God created. And we're inviting men into that story to, to assume their role, um, the right place, the right position that God has for them in that story. Mm, that's cool. And, and does it show up in your, how, how does that show up in your coursework? Like, what does that actually look like with, within your, your curriculum and your groups? Yeah. So it's, uh, it's the thread that runs through the coursework, right? Um, it really, it really is rooted in identity. It is, it is rooted in being created in the image of God, being created as sons of God. Um, um, so that's going to run through the coursework, men finding their identity, both as a follower of Jesus, um, as a, as a husband, men finding their identity as an employee or an employer, men finding their identity as a, as a single man or as a father. Um, um, all these, all these roles have, have certain aspects and have certain nuances to them. So, so as a man, what are those characteristics? What are those traits? What are those things I should be demonstrating and possessing? Hmm. And then as guys go through the curriculum and the, and, and better man groups and they're coming out transformed, they're coming out biblical men, <clears throat> Their marriages are transformed. How they lead their homes and and father their children is uh, those things are transformed. Uh, are you guys taking those stories of transformation and communicating that out to your audience? Yeah, so we are. We could probably do a better job of that. We need to do a better job of that. Um, but we do that through social media. We do it through um, newsletters. We do it through public speaking and and public engagements like this. Um, but we need to do a better job, like you can't tell enough stories, right. um, especially, especially when it comes to transformation, like, like you cannot beat that drum loud enough and hard enough. So um, we need to do a better job of that, but we are certainly striving to do that. Hmm. Now, are you guys, are, are you guys working a lot in partnership with local churches? Is that primarily where you're getting this out? Absolutely. So we have we have three verticals right now that we're focused on. Uh, so one and our biggest vertical is the local church. Okay. Um, another vertical we're focused on is is prisons. Okay. Um, you know, large large gatherings of men with a lot of time on their hand and yeah. use a, and could use a better definition of manhood. Um, so so right now, as we speak, the East Tennessee State Prison System is running a Better Man pilot program with two hundred inmates right now. Cool. Um, uh, so super excited about what the Lord may do with that. Um, college campuses are, are another, is another vertical that we're focusing on. Again, the, the decisions, the mistakes, the relationships, the, those things that we form in those college years tend to have a long lasting effect on us. Mm. So, so what would it be like to, to start equipping those young men, those college age men with a, with a better definition of manhood? And, and, and what we're looking closely at right now, um, one is, is military bases. Um, okay. so we're, we're, we're looking at, man, how do we get the better man curriculum, the better man brand, the better man mission on military bases. And then also something I'm super passionate about. Um, Doug Wilson said this years ago, he said, what young boys don't learn, men won't know. Mm. So, so how do we take a, how do we take a definition of what a real man is? and make it digestible for a 12 year old. How do we do it for a four year old? Um, one of the things I'm most excited about is I just finished writing a children's book. Um, oh, cool. that, that, that is all about the definition of, of, of a real man. And it's, it's, mm. it, it's, 
it's the the book is centered on a conversation between a grandfather and his grandson. Has and, that been uh, published? It, it it will be this spring. So super excited about that. Man, I'm excited to get my hands on that. You'll have to yeah. let me know when that comes out. That's cool. Absolutely. I really love those the your prison focus, the military idea, and the the, the simplifying this for a younger generation for kids, mm-hmm. and and especially to give dads terminology to communicate to their like my kids are young. My two boys are six and five, and to be able to start communicating to them in language that they understand through something like a book like this and give me terminology that I, that I can use in my day-to-day life with them to help yeah. them begin understanding like where we're headed. My, my goal is to raise strong biblical men and I want to communicate that to them. I don't want it to just be some like thing I'm doing in the shadows that they don't know about. Like I want them to be aware of what we're headed towards together. And yeah. so to have terminology and, and language that I can use as a father for my young boys. Like, man, that's exciting. That's cool. Yeah. Now, we're excited to see. You. Oh, go ahead. Sorry, bro. No, go ahead. Sorry. Cut you off there. No, 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 no. It's great. We're, we're just excited about seeing where that, where that leads into the future and, and, and it's much needed. Right. And again, mm. this is not new. It was, it was Fred, it was Frederick Douglass who said, um, it's easier to train boys than it is to repair broken men. Ooh. And that's, that's, I mean, that's, that's where we're at today, bro. That's where we're at today. Yeah, man, that's heavy. That's cool. Um, if, if our listeners are, are leaders of local church settings or leaders of the pr- a prison system or a military base, what value can they expect to receive in partnership with you guys? Yeah, so we, we've designed the entire program. So I want you to think about this. 336,000 plus churches in America, in North mm-hmm. America. Um, 70% of those churches have a functioning women's ministry. Less than 5% have a functioning men's ministry. Oh, wow. Okay. Again, over feminization, we can get into that. Um, but. So what we've done is create a turnkey men's ministry. Mm. Um, When I say everything is available online, we have everything from the content to how to lead a small group. And it's um, and I don't say this because I lead the organization. I I say it because it's true. It is a plus a plus material. Mm. Um, um, I mean, we walk you through it. The videos are professionally done. We have national speakers from across the country. Uh, that lend their gifts and talents to the videos. Um, obviously, our content writers are phenomenal. Um, so it's turnkey. You could you could literally just set it as your men's ministry. Create the leader mm-hmm. login, download the content, and you're ready. And if you take our core curriculum and then you add in the pillars that we're releasing, um, you literally have a three-year turnkey men's ministry if you want to use it on a church cycle like that. So Wow. Um, uh, I would say to, to leaders listening to to men who who say, hey, I want to start something at my church. You know, I need it to be simple. So so I tell people I need all, I tell people all the time, if you want a biblical movement, it's got to be simple. It's got to be biblical and it's got to be reproducible. Right. Mm. Uh, and, and, and we see that in the New Testament. Is it simple? Is it biblical? Is it reproducible with better man? You get a you get a very simple, super relational curriculum. It's it's biblical. I mean, we have theologians, we have scholars that 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 write this stuff. 
and then mm. it's it's 100% reproducible. So it is it is turnkey ready for your men's ministry. And I would also say that it breaks the sacred ceiling. If you're just a leader in your office, if you're a leader on your college campus, if you're a leader um, at your local gym and you want something to rally men around, man, this is an on-ramp to manhood. It's an easy access point that that we've seen transform the lives of tens of thousands of men across the country. Mm, that's amazing. Amazing. Um, man, uh, let's wrap it up there because I think that that, that, was, uh, that was cool. Awesome. How can people get a hold of you if they want to learn more about Better Man? Yeah, so check us out, betterman.com. Betterman.com. And, and again, you can, you can create a login. There is no bait and switch. Like we're not going to ask you to subscribe to anything. (laughs) Like, like you'll have access to everything. And of course, um, myself and my team's emails, phone numbers, everything's there. Um, shoot us a note. Um, let us know how we can help you, how we can equip you, how we can serve you. Um, um, Mm. we're here to empower you to, to be a better man who makes better men. That's cool. Well, Chris, how can I pray for you guys? Man, just pray, um, you know, pray that, uh, pray that we stay faithful. Mm. Uh, there, there have been so many men's movements, um, and, and I even hesitate calling them movements because really they were flash, flashbang experiences. Mm. And, um, um, this is, that's, that's no offense to other men's ministries out there. That's, that's no offense to other men's gatherings, but, but we're not looking to be that. Um, we want to be, we want to affect generational change and we know to do that, we're going to have to be around for generations to come. Mm. So, um, I just, I just pray God keeps us faithful, that God keeps uh, sustaining us, uh, that King Jesus, um, he's always going to lead us, but, but that we would follow him well and, Mm. uh, and be, be faithful to the mission that he's given us. All right, let's pray. Father, thank you for this time with Chris, getting to know him, hear about Better Man. And uh, I just pray that you would go before him and his leadership team as as they grow and build this ministry and um, pursue you and seek your face on what direction you want to go with this thing. Lord, I pray that you would help them to stay faithful, help them to stay um, grounded and rooted in you, and uh, that they would hear your voice clearly, that they would see your direction clearly. Um, Father, that they, that they wouldn't get distracted and that this would turn into a generational thing, that this would turn into a generational movement of men who love you and serve you and walk with you faithfully, who love their wives well, who lead their homes well and, and, and disciple their children well. Father, um, I thank you so much for the work that you're already and have done through Better Man. And um, I've experienced the blessing of this organization and the work that they're doing. And so um, I pray that that would be the case for millions of other young men, Lord, who uh, hmm. who want to learn what it looks like to be a, a faithful follower of you and a, and a, a man of God, Lord. Um, I pray that you would go before us all as we lead our homes and raise our little boys in our homes, Father, um, that, that uh, man, we would, we would give them a clear example and uh, of what it looks like to be a man that follows after you, Jesus. And uh, yeah, we thank you that we get to be a part of what you're doing, that you invited us into this redemptive story. And uh, man, you could have done it alone. You chose to use us and work with us in partnership with us. And so we're just grateful that we could be a part of that uh, redemptive work in whatever capacity it looks like, Lord. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen.
Amen. Amen. Thank you so much, brother. That was so good. Yeah. Chris, thanks for being on the show, man. I really appreciate it. Yeah, dude. Yeah. I hope, uh, I hope we get to do more stuff together in the future. And if we can serve you guys in, in, in any way, please let us know, man. Well, thank you. Thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah. Well, have a good rest of your day. It was nice to have you on the show. Yeah. You too, brother. Be well. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Ministry Grow Show. If you enjoyed it, we'd appreciate it if you rate and or review us on the iTunes store. And make sure you subscribe so you never miss an episode. If you have a story to share with other ministry directors and pastors, or know someone who would be an incredible guest on the Ministry Grow Show, let us know. We love connecting with ministry executives and sharing their wisdom and insight with our audience. Just send us an email at info at reliantcreative.org. And lastly, if you need help telling your ministry story, we would love to share how we can help in that process. Check out Reliant Creative at reliantcreative.org. See you next time.